What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report, college football and NFL Draft Podcast. This is Matt Miller, your host, joined as always by my great friend, Connor Rogers. What's going on, buddy? How are we doing today? Good, man. Good. I'm excited because, uh, like we talked about on the Monday morning show, me, you, and Melo started getting into, it's it's almost the offseason. It, it really is for college football. We got Army-Navy this coming weekend, and then it's on to bowl season. So we're seeing the players declare. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk a lot about Urban Meyer. But I'm excited because it's that time of year where we get to get in and fix teams. This week, we're fixing my team, the San Francisco 49ers. And then we're going to do some draft on draft questions. But as always happens on this show, you and I come up with a plan. This is what we're going to talk about. And then shit changes. Urban Meyer decides to retire uh, Tuesday morning right before we record. And now we got Ryan Day as the uh, new head coach at Ohio State. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm not surprised about. Urban Meyer retiring. I think the writing was on the wall here. A lot of people near Ohio State expected this. What I am a little surprised about, and I think he's earned it, is that Ryan Day is the replacement right away. Like, they didn't do, like, any kind of, like, external interview process. They're like, it's Ryan Day going forward. It It shocked me because there's a huge ripple effect here, Matt, that really affects this show and what we talk about all the time. I think Matty Campbell would have taken this job. And now I think Matt Campbell will 100% leave for the NFL. I think that, so that's where I was going to go. It's interesting to me because this is like when Bob Stoops retired, Oklahoma didn't even think about it. They automatically named Lincoln Riley the successor. And a lot of us (laughs) thought like, hey, yeah, great decision. A lot of us on the outside would have said, oh my God, Oklahoma is one of the best jobs in college football. Everyone, every guy who's ever coached is going to try to get this job. And instead, they just say, hey, we're, we're just going to name a successor. And it, it worked out very well for them. So I, I think when looking at Ryan Day, this is a guy who we've told you before on the show, Mike Vrabel wanted him to be his offensive coordinator when he took the Titans job. Ryan considered it, didn't do it. And then because of Urban Meyer's suspension, we got to see how he would handle the team as a head coach. Now they decide to keep this internal. I like the move. I think consistency can be very important. And I think the guys at Ohio State, whether it's the 80s or the the football boosters, know that right now continuity might be a good thing. They're going to have to try to convince Dwayne Haskins to stay in school. If he decides to leave, you have Tate Martell. You need someone who was involved in that recruiting process, someone who helped get him inside the program. Now you can carry that on. And to your point about Matty Campbell, this is definitely who we all thought would take the Ohio State job. If it were ever an open situation, he's from like two hours away from Columbus and Massillon, Ohio. Now with what we expect to be seven, eight, nine NFL jobs open, I I think you can confidently say Matt Campbell will probably be going to the NFL. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago we thought that maybe he would jump to a bigger job than Iowa State. So, It definitely has a domino effect of now Ryan Day is off the board as a coach. Uh, Urban Meyer is retiring probably for another year like he did last time. And now it does really put Matt Campbell into the forefront of the conversation of take away what might a lot of people had said behind closed doors. This might be his dream job at Ohio State. Take that job away. Now, what does he consider? Is it something like the Cleveland Browns? Will the Cincinnati Bengals job come open that he might consider that? I know we're just trying to put this dude in Ohio, but it, it definitely seems like this is going to have a pretty big ripple effect. I think so, too. Now, I did say 100%. I do think there is this weird chance that he stays at Iowa State because, you know, good salary there. He's built that program to be a winning, established program now, which is not easy to do. And he could really increase his value more than ever. But the bottom line is this is a guy that's going to get multiple NFL interviews and have the chance, I think, to go coach an NFL franchise if he wants to. But it is interesting that the layup alley-oop kind of opportunity that we thought in Ohio State is now officially off the table. Something else that's off the table, guys don't want to play in bowl games anymore. And you know what? <laughs> don't blame them. Good for you. Don't play in the bowl game. It, it's just another way for you know colleges to make money, and you're not seeing a dollar of that. And guess where you're seeing all your dollars? In a couple months in the NFL draft. And we got a couple big names officially declared for the draft. Talked about Nikhil Harry before. Kelvin Harmon, my favorite wide receiver in this draft. He's officially in. Noah Fant, probably the best tight end prospect, not only in this draft, but that we've seen in a little bit in terms of 
game-changing pass catcher, mismatch, mismatch weapon, he's in. Greedy Williams, uh, he's the, really uh, the top corner for many. I think Byron Murphy's right in the conversation with him, but Greedy Williams is in. So some really big names, Matt. What's your takeaways here? Yeah, man, big names. Greedy Williams is the number one corner in the draft for me. And I, I know we've talked up Trayvon Mullen. We've talked about Byron Murphy, DeAndre Baker. These are really good football players. I still think Greedy Williams at six foot three, 190 pounds with excellent length, very good instincts, is the number one corner. I had a mock draft come out Tuesday morning. I put him at five overall to the Detroit Lions. That's how highly I think Greedy Williams. So of this list of new declarations, I think he's the best one. Noah Fant is the top tight end. He absolutely is. I have him as a top 15 ranked player. He's uh, he's everything you want. And I know people are going to, the first thing a lot of folks do is they Google Noah Fant. And you look at his stats and you're like, man, got to catch very many balls. Some of that is the Iowa offense. Some of that is his running mate, TJ Hawkinson at tight end is also really, really good. So they have to spread the ball around. But I think Noah Fant is exactly what you look for in a modern tight end. You want someone who can dominate steam routes. He can do that. You want someone who has the body uh, to post guys up in the red zone. He can do that. He's six foot five, 240 pounds. He has had to block a little bit. And that's what makes him impressive. He's another guy that won't be playing in the bowl game against Mississippi state. He's going to get out there, get ready for the pros. I, I look at Kelvin Harmon. I know he's your guy. And I'm excited to watch more of him. My first take when I watched Kelvin Harmon was, I don't know if this guy can run. And I, I think that's the biggest question mark for me heading into the offseason with Harmon is I, I want to get plugged in with wherever he's working out and find out how well does he move. He is a bigger guy, 6'3", 215. Uh, he has a pro quarterback uh, prospect and Ryan Finley has been getting him the ball. He's been super productive the last two years. I just don't know how well he moves. And I think you could almost say the same thing about Nikhil Harry, even though he is very uh, productive after the catch, but is he fast enough to separate where he's almost the exact same size, 6'4", 215. How well is he going to run when he does get timed up and tested? But two very productive years for Nikhil Harry. He's sitting out the bowl game against Fresno State. So we're not going to get like one more look at these guys. Like this is it. If you haven't seen it from Harmon, Harry, Fant and greedy. That's it. You're not going to. I, and I, yeah, go ahead. I here's my last take on this, and I know this is getting back a little bit to what we talked about on the Monday morning show. If this were an eight team playoff, we might you might see more guys want to play in their bowl game. So to the NCAA, because I know some of you guys listen. If you want to see these guys not sit out the bowl games, you want to pretend like it matters. Make it matter. Go to eight. Go to eight teams. You might see someone like Greedy Williams actually play. You might you might get those big names sticking around. So it, it's going to be fascinating. But those guys, I mean, they're done playing college ball. Congratulations to them. And and now the process truly starts for each of them. Yeah, I mean, you hit it out of the park. That's exactly it. If you want these guys to stay, you need to add some kind of competitive element that really matters. And I know we'll have the old school people that are like, oh, the game alone should matter. It doesn't. A bowl game does not get you a national title unless you're in the playoff. So expand the playoff. And I think you make a really good point about this wide receiver class as a whole. The biggest question with the majority of the top wide receivers or wide receiver candidates is how are they going to run? Another guy, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, six foot six and yeah. great catch radius, strong, went down to saw him in person against TCU. He couldn't separate. He had two catches for 12 yards. 14 yards. I, it just, when it comes down to it, you got to be able to run more. There, you're an outlier if you can't run or separate, but you're a good wide receiver. That That's as, as simple as it gets. Are you going to be able to moss everyone? Once in a while, you get a guy that can do it. It's not as common. So when I look at this, I have serious questions about Nikhil Harry with that. And I have serious questions. There's a lot of guys like this, Hakeem Butler, maybe even Colin Johnson a little bit. Although I think his catch radius is so good that he is a guy that has a better chance of being an outlier with Kelvin Harmon. To me, what can get him past some speed concerns is that he's a better route runner than a lot of these guys. So it's going to be really interesting when you look at this skill group where it's not the best, right? From wide receivers to right. running backs, the tight end group is really good, but the combine is going to be bigger than ever. It is so important. And, and everyone knows or should know, my favorite receiver in the NFL is Michael Thomas. And I loved him at Ohio state and where he is. I think 
I would not compare any of these guys to him uh, because of how much I liked him. But you were talking about Kelvin Harmon. He and Mike Thomas are very close to the same size. Very close. I think what's going to be interesting for the evaluation process is Thomas was a great route runner. Uh, He also had, uh, I think he had five drops in in three years at Ohio State. He never dropped the ball. So his hands were incredibly strong. But people ask me all the time, why did he fall to the second round? He ran a 4-5-7 at the Combine. That's why he fell to the second round. So I think that's the line. Like if you're if you're Nikhil Harry or Kelvin Harmon or AJ Brown, Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, these guys who could still yet declare, I, I think that's the line. Like you need to get probably below a four five five if you're in that six three two fifteen two twenty range, but also show that you're a great route runner and, and have the strong hands that Thomas had. So the combine is going to be. Super important. And another guy who I heard as of this morning, everyone thinks he's going to declare. It's just a matter of time. Marquise Brown, the receiver from Oklahoma, is incredibly fast, but he's incredibly small. I mean, he's 5'9", 165 pounds. So he is very fast, but doesn't have the body type. And I I wrote last week, and some people on Twitter got really upset with me about this, but I don't see that go-to wide receiver in this class where – you, I don't even have a round one grade on anyone but Nikhil Harry right now, and I have him at 28 overall, so that's probably not even a round one grade. I think it's more a year where there's going to be five or six guys that look really good in round two. None of them blow you away as a round one type talent. Yeah, a lot of high-end number two kind of guys. I mean, the only guys that I could see maybe getting a first-round grade for me are Harmon and DK Metcalf. With the latter having a huge, you know, medical potential medical problem with the neck. He's got to get through the combine medicals, which is honestly one of the hardest things for us to track. So a lot going on there, um, a lot more declarations to come. You know, Marquise Brown, a guy that was carted off. Hopefully he's okay and can can get ready for the draft. Yeah, it is going to be wild to see where these guys go, man. And just what happens then at. As a Niners fan, I'm looking at receivers. As a Jets fan, you're looking at receivers, and it's just not that year where you have a Julio Jones or AJ Green type prospect. And sometimes we say, "Oh, we gotta, you know, we gotta just find the guy." There's gonna be a good receiver. We just gotta find him. This might be the year where there's just not that top fifteen or twenty type talent. All right, it's back. We're fixing teams, and we're fixing the 49ers this week. I know everyone's been asking. This is a weird fix, Matt, because I didn't think we'd start with them, but everything that could have gone wrong for San Francisco in terms of bad luck has gone wrong. And honestly, that's not the worst place to be. You're getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. You're, you know, Jarek McKinnon should be back. I don't know if they'll keep him on that salary. It's going to be very interesting. You have a great coach in Kyle Shanahan, but... There's some fixes we got to make, and it starts with the draft. And I think this is an easy one, right, Matt? It is an easy one. Number one overall, the San Francisco 49ers. Don't overthink this. Don't pull a Joe Williams type pick. Don't take CJ Beathard. Go after Nick Bosa. We all know who the best player in this draft class is. And not only that, he fills a gigantic need for a team that desperately needs an outside pass rush. Uh, regardless of who's calling the defense for the 49ers next year, and there's been some buzz, they might make a change there. Nick Bosa fits it. He could play in a 3-4. He could play in a 4-3. He could put his hand down. He can stand up. I believe he is a better prospect than his brother Joey was coming out of college, and we've seen the impact he has had. The only question is the core injury that shut him down for the year. It sounds like that was just a sports hernia. He's going to be ready to go by the combine, and there is no chance in hell I would draft anyone other than Nick Bosa there's no chance I would trade this pick everything with the Niners like you mentioned you got guys coming back on offense you've got an offensive line that's developing go get the defense you missed on Solomon Thomas Eric Armstead has been good against the run but average elsewhere DeForest Buckner looks like a player I don't care that this would be another first round pick on the D line the Niners have to get a pass rusher yeah I'm with you all the way this pick is Nick Bosa if you're a Niners fan Drive the tank home, baby. You want the number one pick in this draft. You don't want number two. I, it kind of listen. If you get Ed Oliver or Quinn and Williams or a trade out, that's really good. And I know Niners fans don't want to hear interior D line anymore, but it's not a bad idea if that's where you're sitting. You want number one because you need an edge, and you need a guy like Nick Bosa, who I think is better than his brother. And, and I think if you want the closest thing to like the Miles Garrett and Cleo Max of the world. 
It's yeah. Nick Bosa, and, and that's rare. So you have that in this draft. I'm looking to round two where they're also sitting real nice right now. That would be the 34th overall pick. This would be a little bit of a drop for this guy, but not that crazy because of how good the corner class is. Trayvon Mullen in round two at 34. You You're might have to try to make me happy. You today. might have to move. This is I'm doing this all for you. <laughs> you might have to move up a couple spots from 34 to get him. But it's not that far out of the range right now. I think he's someone that's going to test very, very well. I think when teams catch up to the film, they will really like Mullen. And I do see a need at corner for this 49ers team right now. Yeah, they do need a corner. They absolutely do. I mean, you're looking at a, a depth chart. And some of this comes from the fact that you've got a couple different front offices drafting for a couple different schemes. Richard Sherman has been very good. No questions about that. He's also 30 years old. He'll be 31 when the season starts next year. Uh, Tavarius Moore, they drafted him in the third round. He's a very good project. But Akella Weatherspoon, uh, a third-round pick from 2017, hasn't been that good. So I think corner is need. I would love Trayvon Mullen. You know that's my dude. I think Julian Love from Notre Dame would also be uh, probably that's in the, the range for him uh, as a tight end prospect, or excuse me, as a cornerback prospect. I'm reading about tight ends here. Um because I, and what I was going to say is they have George Kittle, but I think receiver is an area that they have to get better. I, I, we all know Kyle Shanahan's scheme will generate space. Guys are going to play probably above their, their draft status, but Dante Pettis has not been an impact player. Pierre Garçon, not a number one receiver, and he's also 32 years old. He'll be 33 in August. They need a big receiver, and what we've been talking about, whether it's Kelvin Harmon, Nikhil Harry, what depending on what happens with DK Metcalf, they need a receiver. That's where I would go in round two because the Niners are going to have money in free agency. There are no receivers to sign. It is a horrible wide receiver class. I would feel more comfortable paying a corner at this point and drafting a wide receiver. Let me throw something at you. Would you trade the 34th overall pick for AJ Green? Oh, hell yeah. Right? It's yeah. a no. And I know a lot of Bengals fans are going to sit here and be like, bullshit that's a that's fantasy land i want to be realistic here if everyone in the bengals gets fired and a new regime comes in they might want to do things their own way aj green is going to be a sneaky 31 years old at the start yeah. of training camp next year 31 i don't think you get an early first round pickback for him maybe you have to throw in a, a conditional fifth with that but i think if you need a wide receiver and you want to win next year. If you're San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, you, you're trying to win next year. Enough of this, you know, reset and rebuilding, bad luck. A.J. Green's an impact player when he's healthy, even at 31 next year. I, I would consider packaging that 34th overall pick. You can't sign one because, like Matt said, there's none in this class. I do like some of these guys in the draft class. There's no A.J. Green. I, I think I would try to get creative if I was John Lynch over there and find an impact player through a trade. Well, and one thing I'll say if, if we're going to start talking about trades, I, I would get crazy. I would call Jacksonville and say, how would you like to have 33 or 34 and maybe a, a three next year and give us Jalen Ramsey yep. because he perfectly fits that scheme. And I am more uh, on the side of trading this year because it's not a good draft class. So if you the Niners, uh, they don't have a couple picks because of trades. So I, I think that's one thing like they don't have a around five pick. They sent it to Detroit. Uh, they, they don't have and they and they swapped with Kansas City in round seven. So it's a year where they don't have as many picks, but it's not a good draft class. And if you feel comfortable that getting Jimmy Garoppolo back and getting Jerick McKinnon back is going to get you over the hump offensively, then you could, you know, look at a, a wide receiver in the third round who, again, in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, you know, you feel like a, a guy like our Sega Whiteside at Stanford is going to give you the size you need or Debo Samuel is going to come in and be a really good number two receiver from the slot. Uh, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo as a deep threat would be like a, a good value in round three as someone who could play right away and try to trade that number 34 pick for an impact guy. One thing that we've seen teams with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo making a ton of money. You got to get creative to build that roster. Otherwise, it's very, very hard to win when you're paying a quarterback as much as they're paying him. So I, I do think that the needs of the Niners matches up very well with the where the talent is in the 2019 draft class. The problem is, and I say this as this is the team that I have loved since I was four years old. These guys have not shown me that they can scout players at all. Like John Lynch's drafts have not been good. 2017, Sama Thomas, Reuben Foster in the first round. Not good. 
Now, C.J. Beathard in the third round. Horrible. Joe Williams. Guys out of the NFL right now. Well, he quit playing college yeah. football, so I don't know what made you think he'd like NFL. Yeah, I mean, they do not have... Their best pick so far is Fred Warner, who was a third-round pick in 2018. There's nothing else out there right now. So that's yeah. what worries me. Like, And George Kittle. George Kittle is a hell of a player. You know I loved him in that yep. 17 draft. And... There, there are stories about that pick that I can't tell and won't tell on this podcast, but I loved George Kittle, uh, and he is a perfect fit for what they do. But, man, they they have not drafted well enough to no. feel like you're going to turn this around by having five or six picks in the 2019 draft, which is a bad class, and not being able to find talent. Yeah, I do think Mike McGlinchey was a really good pick to solidify the tackle position. And like you said, Fred Warner kind of looks like a steal from round three. But as a whole... What looks to be the problem to me, Matt, is sometimes they reach to fill a scheme fit for Kyle Shanahan. And that's going to, and I know Dante Pettis, most of his problems have been injury related. He has flashed at times, but at the same time, it just always feels like they're kind of around early on players, and that has cost them multiple times. So, yeah. Another pick here in round three. This is the final draft pick I'll make for them. This is really a scheme fit kind of pick that once again wouldn't surprise me. I think he's more of a round four player, but in Shanahan's system, he would live up to the status. Miles Gaskin out of Washington. He has some tread on the tires, but I think when you're looking for the right explosiveness and vision in that outside zone, I think this would be a really good fit behind Matt Burita. So you nailed it. I mean, you either got to trade the picks and get impact players, or you finally have to really, really hit on a draft here. It's going to be really interesting for the Niners. Free agency. We've talked about how thin it is, especially at wide receiver. There are some players on the defensive end. Is there anything that jumps out to you here, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm still looking at this draft class. It's like, how do you, how do you try to fix this team and and one go and and I look at the outside linebacker spot is an area where they're going to have to find someone. Dakota Allen from Texas Tech. If they continue to run this four three that Seattle and Jacksonville and, and kind of Atlanta run. I think Dakota Allen could be a round three type guy who could be a starter for them because of his uh, ability and coverage. He is a, a true playmaker for Texas Tech, and he's one of those guys, if you watch Last Chance U, he was actually on season two there, and and because he got kicked out of Texas Tech over uh, an armed robbery incident, actually. But looking at him, it, you know, really turned his life around. Watch him play. He's exactly what you need in this kind of 4-3 under defense because of his ability and coverage. I mean, watch the Iowa State game. Dude had 16 tackles in one game. West Virginia, he had 12 and a sack all over the field as a playmaker. So I think Dakota Allen would be, if I'm picking favorites, if I can get Nick Bosa in one and Tavon Mullen in two, give me Dakota Allen in three, and then let's just fucking go because that defense is automatically tougher, meaner, and faster. Yeah, and I think... To add to that Nick Bosa pick, I, I would try to sign someone like Trey Flowers or D Ford, depending what their market oh, baby, is. Yeah. yeah, load up. I mean, load up. We talked about, once again, the free agency class, not great, but there are pass rushers there. If you're looking for a number two guy, if you go into this draft and you come out with Nick Bosa and in free agency, you got a guy like Flowers or D Ford, I, I don't think they're going to be in the Dante Fowler conversation. He's had ups and downs. He's going to get paid. I know you said it over the weekend, Matt. Yeah, so he is. <laughs> just a, just a fascinating offseason ahead for the 49ers. One in which I do think they can really turn this thing around. Oh, it's my favorite time of every show. It's draft on draft time. We got a lot of great questions from y'all today, and I'm looking forward to the Friday show. Mello actually just texted me as we're sitting here. Our top five Friday. You're going to love this one, Connor. Top five players to never win the Heisman. So y'all get on Twitter, get on Instagram, let us know who you think that'll be. But for today, that's a very good question. It's our guy, Patrick Chamberlain, starting it off. If Justin Herbert doesn't declare and the Giants are hell-bent on drafting a quarterback with their first pick, which of Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins do you think they'd opt for? Man, I, I mean, I'm team Haskins all the way. I would hope they opt for Haskins. I, I know people like Daniel Jones, and I think he's a solid player, but I don't really see, like, upper echelon, you know, franchise quarterback with him. So... I think there's a lot to like about Haskins. I think he's been superb this year, and he's still getting better. That's the most important thing to me. Where is your ceiling as a quarterback? And with Haskins, if he comes in there and they want to play Eli for the first couple games, I know that's piercing to Giants fans' ears, but it is a situation where he doesn't have to be thrown to the fire right away. I'm Team Haskins all the way. 
Yeah, so I actually have Haskins ranked ahead of Jones just a just a little bit, just a touch. But I I think he does have more potential, and I know that's a curse word when it comes to evaluation. But I think the upside is bigger with him. We have only seen one season of play for him, and what has impressed me most with Dwayne Haskins is his improvement from week one to week thirteen, and, and down the stretch, what he did to Michigan, and that is a damn good defense. He tore those boys apart. And then Northwestern, that's a very good coach defense with a lot of future NFL players. And again, he was precise. He took care of the ball. He was smart. His The ball comes out quick. He has the arm strength to push down the field. He can operate in any system. So I like Dwayne Haskins. He's probably not going to end up in my top 10 overall players if he does declare. But where the Giants are sitting right now, I think pick number seven overall is where they would be. You might have to trade up to get a guy like that, just to be honest, because of we all know we, we saw it last year. Teams need quarterbacks. They're going to go early. And I think that's the argument for Haskins to leave Ohio State is you come out oh, yeah. this year. You, there's a very real chance. You're the number one quarterback in this class. The Giants are at seven. They need one. The Jags are at nine. They need one. The Bucks at 12 could need one. The Dolphins at 14. The Redskins at 16. That's five teams in the top 20 that need a quarterback. So it, and there's no one, no one, unless Justin Herbert comes out, that people feel like is a surefire QB one. And even with Herbert, if Herbert comes out and Haskins comes out, I will not be surprised if Haskins ends up QB one, just because everyone I talk to says Herbert is like, not a bad guy, but they'll be like, man, he's kind of weird or yeah. Yeah. You know, he's just kind of immature or he's kind of off and I remember people saying that about Blake Bortles and he was still the first quarterback drafted that year, but they would be like, God, this guy's just kind of like aloof. Like he doesn't really care. And I've kind of heard the same things now about Justin Herbert. So that's a concern for me. And I think it could be for teams once they get into this process where I would actually prefer Haskins over Herbert or probably over Daniel Jones. Even I'm with you, man. I like if Haskins comes out, he's my top quarterback in this class. I don't think I'll have a first round grade on a quarterback, but Haskins would be my top passer in this class. I'm not sold that Herbert is what the media has essentially made him out to be at times. He he's not in the class of the guys from last year, right? No. And and it's all mental. Honestly, I I honestly believe like, Talent wise, you just watched if you put all these quarterbacks on the field and just watch them play and knew nothing about their leadership or personality, we would all pick Justin Herbert because it's beautiful watching him throw the ball. But it's just there's just too many like weird stories about his personality. Also, one more note on the Giants. They play Washington this weekend. Oh, they're going to they're going to win. Oh, my God. You know who the quarterback of Washington is now? (laughs) Mark Mark Sanchez, Sanchez, baby. How, man, if I were a quarterback for the Redskins, I'd be taking out leg insurance right now. I mean, so when it comes down to it, the Giants are picking seventh right now. That fifth win, Matt, puts them in the 12 to 13 conversation. Oh, yeah. That's so far back. So far back. Enjoy trading up. I mean, I love Saquon, and this is totally revisionist history. They should have drafted a quarterback last year. You're going to trigger so many people right now. I mean, I do. I love Saquon. He has the uh, tied for the highest grade I've ever given a player. He's a perfect player. Perfect Perfect player. And he's fucking great. Like, he's having a great year. They should have drafted a quarterback. It's just positional value matters. And and something we're always going to hammer home on the show. And some people don't like it. Some people do. In this era of football, it matters more than ever. So, all right. Next one from Jake Stillwell. The Colts have three picks in the first two rounds. Yeah, you're welcome. They're from the Jets. Who could be some reasonable targets? Personally, it feels like the biggest needs are corner, interior D-line, and wide receiver. Well, if you need interior D-line, you have shown up to the right draft yeah, year, right? This is the year. Let me tell you. I, I think they could actually go there in the first round uh, if, if they want to get that uh, where they're picking right now. Uh, depending on what happens with the wild card, that's that's kind of putting them in a weird spot. But right now they would be at 15 overall. You could get a Raekwon Davis from Alabama who is kind of sliding under the radar because of Quentin Williams stealing his thunder. Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. I know there is the video of him. Uh, the school says he was breaking up a fight and, and struck a woman. Uh, everything I've heard is that he has been a model citizen. This happened three years ago before he signed at Mississippi State. But yep. in this environment, uh, that that is a big question right now with Jeffrey Simmons. 
on talent, he is a top 10 or 15 type player. Uh, and Chris Ballard has shown in the past he's not afraid to take on guys. He was the champion for Marcus Peters when he came out. A lot of people uh, really thought that they would get involved with uh, some of the guys in last year's class who didn't have great character marks. So uh, I think this is the year where you could go D-line around one. And even like Draymond Jones or Dexter Lawrence, if you want guys who are uh, a little bit cleaner off the field, would be a good fit. And then in round two, where you do have the extra picks, I think, like we said earlier in the show, that's where you could get a wide receiver. That's where you could get a Nikhil Harry or a Kelvin Harmon or a Colin Johnson if he comes out of Texas. And everything I've heard is that that is very much up in the air. That legitimately might not happen. And kind of round your defense out that way. I think at corner, Ohio State's got a couple guys, Kendall Sheffield, who is probably the fastest player in college football. Damon Arnett. I know those guys didn't play as well this year. I wonder how much of that was just the the whole entire Ohio State defense didn't play well. I wonder how much that affected them. But uh, they are guys that a a lot of people feel like around two type corners. They could come in and and make a pretty good impact. And I I love Jamal Peters in Mississippi State. If he comes out, he's probably like a round three guy. But um, I I do feel like he is a very physical, tough. I mean, you you can watch the fight against Ole Miss and see that the dude ain't afraid of anybody. And one more side note on the Simmons connection. This is just drawing some dots here. The Colts assistant GM is Ed Dodds. Ed Dodds was in Seattle when they drafted Frank Clark. So I don't think Dodds or Ballard, they're not afraid to take on players of the past is the overall point. point. And and those two have, obviously Ballard has a lot of power. If you're an assistant GM, you have a lot of scouting power too. So let's not sleep on that. All right, Matt Glosek wants to know if you're a team with glaring needs on one side of the ball that outweigh your needs on the other side, but that side of the ball isn't particularly strong in the draft, what is your draft strategy? Oh, man, that's tough. I, I always think draft good football you go, players. Draft, exactly. Draft good football players who are good football people. Um, I, I think too often, and we all do this, you know, if you're writing a mock draft or we're talking about team needs, we say, well, this team needs this. But that doesn't mean that you're going to get that. And I, I think, you know, Saquon Barkley last year is a good example of a team just drafting the best player. Uh, it, Miles Garrett, the Browns needed a lot of things. Defensive end was one of them. Maybe not the most important, but when a dude like that comes along, you just draft him and don't worry about it. Just make him the pick. Um, I, so I think you always try to go that way. Uh, don't get too caught up. And I, I think teams, if you head into an off season and say, oh, we got to get this, this, and this, and you cater your your whole process to that uh, and it's not a great draft for it. That's how you lose. Like uh, a great example, Connor would be your jets. They desperately need a pass rusher. This is a good year to take a pass rusher, but where they're drafting right now at number three, overall, they're going to miss out on Nick Bosa. A dangerous thing would be to reshape your opinion of players to make someone fit that spot, whether it's Josh Allen or Cleveland Farrell or JK polite, whomever it might be. If the Jets are picking at three, they either need to take the third best player in the draft or trade out of there instead of trying to overdraft for a need there. Yeah, I would get out of that spot as well. I'm fully with you. Unless it is in it. I can argue, and this is getting in the weeds here, but fuck it. If you could trade Leonard Williams, I would take Ed Oliver. I I think it's not even close. So... Would you uh, trade Leonard Williams? I would definitely trade Leonard Williams. Here's my problem with Leonard Williams. Because you don't want to pay him. No, and he's taken on the energy of Todd Bowles. Like, just kind of... He somehow has gotten worse these last couple, like this last year, where he's just yeah, kind of out there. You know who's been better than him this year, Matt? Henry Anderson. I love Henry Anderson. He's though. awesome. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but he's been so much better yeah. than him. You drafted Nathan Shepard last year. You got your guy. I would trade Leonard Williams. I, I think that's that's one of those things that like you don't think about until it's time. And hey, I said I would trade Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, crazier shit has been said on this show. Let's get crazy. Yours actually makes some sense. (laughs) Matt has a second question. If you had to pick the college football playoff based solely on their mascots, if they were to fight it out, who wins? Oh, my God. Man, I mean, I'm not picking against the Tigers, right? Wow. I don't with Alabama. Do you get the elephant? Yeah, you do. Notre Dame is so far out. Notre yeah, Dame they're is, not even close. Notre Dame is stripped to pieces. Well, no, no, no. I don't know what a boomer sooner is. I have no idea. So, yeah, no idea. It's a guy in a covered wagon. Dead. 
Yeah, he's out. Him and the him and the fighting Irish guy better have a lot of weapons in the wagon, or yeah, else they're it dead. It better be the the island of Ireland. If they're uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Clemson wins if you do it that way. Yeah, uh, although the elephant tiger fight would be epic. I would watch that. Yeah, epic. but I don't know what a sooner is. They should do it where like the Vegas Golden Knights have the ceremony before the playoff games. Oh God, that would be amazing. They should do that with the elephant and the t- not real elephant and tigers. Everyone, people in costumes. Oh man, that great question, Matt. Way to bring it. Yeah, this I next like one from Nick Baker. If you were an NFL GM, would you draft Kyler Murray in the late rounds as a future slot receiver in case baseball Ooh. doesn't work? Uh I don't think he's a slot receiver. I, he's a quarterback. I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him just because I feel like it's a waste of a pick. Because yeah. it only works for a year. Like if you draft him, uh, say the the Niners draft him in the seventh round. If he doesn't sign that contract, you just wasted a pick because he goes back into the draft class next year. Yeah, so that's why they pay you the big bucks. You explain to us little pea brain people, the smart people (laughs) things. I mean, it's like a cool idea of like, oh, well, yeah, we should do this and just stash him. But it's a waste of a pick. So I wouldn't do it. All right, next one from our guy at 2 plus 67. I'm not good at math, but... That's 69, baby. I know what that is. (laughs) Realistically, what round do you guys think Paris Campbell will be drafted? And what offense would you want to watch his speed be used in? So Paris Campbell is a wide receiver from Ohio State. For those uh, not familiar with his tape, I think he is probably... uh, He's going to test very well. I think that's the most important thing. That can help him, him his stock tremendously. I think he's probably a round three type guy um, if we're just basing it on size, route running ability. And that's one thing we've talked about before with Ohio State can be very difficult, uh, especially guys who are in more of a role like he is. You don't see them just, you know, running a fully executed route tree. And I know he was incredibly productive this year, 11 touchdowns. He had almost 80 catches, I think. So really a breakout year for him statistically now that it had an actual quarterback back there and not JT Barrett. So I think that helps, but everything I've seen from him, probably round three, would love to get him involved probably more in the return game. Uh, he did not return kicks or punts at all this last year, I don't believe, or it didn't that I saw. So we'd like to see him get back to some of the things he did earlier in his career. That's probably where his value is. He reminds me of someone we talked about earlier on the show, Dante Pettis, where it's like, God, this guy makes big plays, and you can envision all these really cool ways to use him. And and I thought Pettis was overdrafted where he was at last year in the second round. So I think Campbell round three, you know, good fits would be, I, I think I would like to see him in Atlanta. I think they do a good job. The saints don't necessarily need him, but that offense would be a blast to watch him play in. Uh, and same with new England. Uh, if Cordero Patterson's a free agent, I think Josh Gordon is technically a, a restricted free agent. He is. I could see the Patriots using Campbell really well. Yeah. I look at Campbell, great athlete, not a great receiver. I think the problem with him is he'll run a sub four four forty, right? So combine star. Yeah. He's kind of a gadget guy. Like it like Pettis was a guy that could run routes where you look in Shanahan's system and you're like, okay, well, at least there's a place for him in that scheme. With Campbell, it's going to be interesting for teams, do they need a gadget guy? And I know we go back to this well so much, but it a lot of teams like the Bears and the Chiefs, and, and he's a, let's get this right. He's a depth guy, right? He's not going to come in and be a number three or number two wide out right away. And I agree with you completely, Matt. Get him involved on specials. I mean, that's where he's going to have to make a killing at the next level. Get involved in the special teams. He's one of the fastest players in the draft. I think because of his speed, he's probably in the third round range. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I do like him. I, I want to point that out. But he is one of those guys that we're going to see him get drafted. And you and I are, and maybe me, you and Melo are going to be hopefully in Nashville uh, listening to some music and pounding some beers and saying, oh man, this is either a great fit for him. I can't wait to see him there or he's going to go somewhere and we're going to be like, fuck, they are not going to know how to use that guy. So it it is going to be, I think scheme fit just really matters so much when you're talking about guys like that. Uh, We got a couple of our old time, good time guys asking questions. next. Sylvester Valderrama. If the Bengals decided to trade a 30 year old AJ green coming off surgery and making $11.9 million in the final year of his deal, where would you like to see him go? My two picks would be Green Bay or Houston. We mentioned the Niners a little bit earlier. I think that one does make sense, especially if they feel like they, with the healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, can make a bit of a run next year. I think Green Bay is really interesting because you do have an old quarterback there in Aaron Rodgers that you're probably trying to load up 
really, really quickly to get into a Super Bowl. And, and people are always like, uh, and I thank you for telling me Monday morning it was his birthday. Happy birthday, Aaron. I'm sure your family got, oh, wait, nope, they wouldn't have. Uh, he's, he's 35, man. Like, yeah, and AJ's going to be 31 next year. Right. So That's old in the NFL. It is old in the NFL. Rodgers probably has four years left. I mean, realistically, uh, and he's been hurt a lot. I think that's an important thing. People are going to say, well, Tom Brady's 41. He is. But uh, look at what happened to Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. They fell off completely in their mid-30s. And I hope that doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers. But I would say there should be a sense of urgency there that there has not been, which might be why Mike McCarthy's gone. So uh, I would be all for A.J. Green going there. With Houston, man, I feel like like don't mess up what they have going there by paying someone. Uh, $12 million is not a lot for a starting receiver, but I guess on a one-year rental, I wouldn't hate it, but like you're not you're not dra- you're not trading for AJ Green and he's going to be a fixture of your offense for a really long time and they like they do have such a promising thing going there i would rather keep those resources for improving the offensive line because that that's the need right now you got to fix that offensive line because Deshaun Watson has been very good this year you got a couple good running backs you got a great receiver Jadre Hopkins like just worry about that offensive line Maybe get a, a safety uh, to play alongside. You got Justin Reed and, and the Honey Badger back there, who's Honey Badger's kind of a slot guy, but maybe get another safety and, and the team looks ready to roll. Yeah, I'm with you. Houston should probably keep their picks and build that line. When I look at Green, I, I, once again, like it kind of falls into this spot where he's either going to go to a team going for it, right? Just all in. Like the Rams trading. New England. The Rams trading for Brandon Cooks. It, it's that kind of situation where you're giving up. A pretty good pick, but you're going for it with him. Or a team like the Browns, Jets, or Bills that wants their young quarterback to work with a true number one while developing. It's the old confidence thing and and just getting better and having that target. I actually would really like to see A.J. Green on the Colts. I think think that's the place where, hey, we answered it not too long ago. That team has a lot of draft picks, and that team has a need. That guy, Andrew yeah. Luck, has looked pretty good this year. I, I think it's just, that's where I would, that'd be my first call. Man, how, they're so close. They're very close. They, the Colts weren't supposed to be this close, right? Like, the, the draft class looks like a hit from last year. Andrew Luck's healthy, thank God. The line is really rebuilt. And with the two guys we talked about earlier running the show, Chris Ballard as the GM, Ed Dodds as assistant GM, pretty confident they'll have another good draft. Yeah, they, those... They're pretty good at finding They know a thing or players. two about football players. Pretty so. good. Uh, they're like the me and you of scouting. That, like, that's, I've heard people say this before. We are the them of podcast hosting. <laughs> I think that makes Mellow Rex Hogan, which like only like super like inside baseball people will laugh at that joke, you, but it's really funny to me. <laughs> it's actually hilarious. Do you think um, Do you think we can get them to come to the indie show? <laughs> uh, we could try. Yeah, we could. I don't, try. We'll see about we that. Could, Pull out all the favors they owe me from over the years. Uh, all right. Next one from Roman Ruben Tomasoff. And another, he came to the LSU tailgate. Dude flew down from Boston to come to the LSU tailgate. And as we've told before, that day got away from us a little bit. And I ended up calling him Ruben for like the last three hours of the day. So from now on, I'm going to call him Ruben. Uh, he has to change his name. But his question, how many first round running backs do you think could be taken in the first round of the 2020 draft? Feels like there could be three or four with A.J. Dillon, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and Cam Akers. So a year ahead, obviously a lot can change. I don't think that A.J. Dillon will be a first-round pick. Uh, I, I think he's he's just going to have so many fucking carries, and he's kind of that body style that isn't really favored. Cam Akers has to bounce back. He had a horrible year this year. So I, I think that's one thing. We all expected him to be great. Like We thought, oh my God, this guy as a freshman looked like the second coming of work done and then this year was just not very good and I know Florida State was bad this year so I wouldn't say that there's an early first round grade on him that could definitely change Jonathan Taylor yes if he can cure some of the fumbling issues that he's had that's definitely a a big issue for him and then J.K. Dobbins again a guy who's kind of small and I I don't know how fast he actually is I mean he's 5'10 214 but he has really short legs I don't know that he's actually going to be that fast. He's kind of like, he's like Maurice Jones drew out there more than anything else. So if I were going to pick one, I think Najee Harris at Alabama could be a first round pick. DeAndre Swift from Georgia. 
those are the guys that I would be more excited about as as potential first rounders over some of the ones you listed here. Yeah, and you know how sometimes I get like the uh, it's like a Jimmy Neutron bl- brain blast. You ask how fast J.K. Dobbins is. I had this moment. I remember watching film last spring. I was watching Nick Nelson that the Raiders drafted out of Wisconsin. He ran a four five two, and he chased down Dobbins like on a sixty yard yeah. run. He stopped at the one. So I think Dob. I know that's like a weird way to explain it, but Dobbins is probably like a four five five kind of guy. Four maybe four five. So not a not a blazer. I don't think he's a round one guy right now. I actually think we missed two people here. Travis Etienne. Might, oh, your guy. He yeah. might he might be a round one guy. And Najee Harris might be a round one guy. Najee Harris just has to split carries because Alabama has yep. 80 million NFL running backs. Najee Harris was the best running back in that recruiting class. So the point is, it's loaded. And it is. if I had to take the over-under on three and a half on first round running backs, I might take the over, which is nuts. Ooh. It's nuts. Yeah, it is. But it's a special group. Um, that skill really group. Is. That's with yeah. the wide receivers. Oh, no. So excited for 2020. Let's skip ahead. Uh, Tyler Fornis wants to know with how deep the edge class is this year, who are some day two, early day three guys we should be keeping our eyes on? I know you've mentioned the TCU and Old Dominion guys a bunch. Yeah, Old Dominion guy, uh, O'Shane Simenez. He's actually going to be on the show Monday morning uh, with us. I think he's a first round guy. So I I, I know he's a small school dude with a a unique name. I don't I don't think he's making it to late day two at all. Um, I would look at uh, maybe Joe Jackson from Miami as probably in that late day two range. Uh, Charles Amenehu from Texas, who we had on the show uh, last week, is in an interesting guy. I think testing is going to be very important for him. He was in that first round of Senior Bowl invite, so we'll get to see him down there. Uh, Sharif Miller from Penn State. Austin Bryant from Clemson would be in that round three range for me. Uh, Porter Gustin from USC, if he's ever, ever going to be healthy again uh, like that so. that's a big one carl granderson from wyoming though would be a pretty interesting name is uh, not a small school obviously but as a, a lesser known name who could be an impact player um cc jefferson of florida there's my sleeper name for you who could rise up a little bit what about your guy trevon hill that was cut from virginia tech yeah you know i have him in that range i just don't know what's gonna happen with him you know that's like one of those i need to actually make a note to work on that and like do some investigating and digging to figure out where he's going to be because I mean, he got kicked off the team September 23rd. It was my son's birthday. He got kicked off the team and we haven't heard from him in two months. So sometimes it's it, a good thing, but yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it, there could be worse things. Absolutely. But he would be, I, I think probably in that definitely in that third round area, but there has not been a word said about this dude since he was kicked off the team, you know, three months ago. Yeah. It's really interesting when you look at the kind of talent he has. And I know you've mentioned him on the show before. So that's, that's really one of the dark horse names to keep an eye on. Yeah. Final question Dakota James Cox. That's a, just a wicked name. Sounds like an assassin. Yeah. That or a cowboy name in red dead redemption, uh, <laughs> which I've, if you haven't heard, I have officially lured Matt. Into oh, I'm in. Not only getting the game, but he's buying a new Xbox. <laughs> I went and did it already. I went that's, Sunday night. That's so And great. I told my girlfriend, I was like, I have to go buy an Xbox. And she was like, I mean, we, we've been dating a while. She's like, I've never seen you play a video game. It's like, yeah, I'm going to start. So I just went Goodbye. to Walmart, <laughs> bought a, an Xbox, bought a little Red Dead. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, if I ever have free time again, I would love, love to start playing it. I, this is, I was telling someone this the other day. Since I got Red Dead and we haven't been on the road, we're finally home. We weren't home for weekends, right? I just didn't start putting things to the side for Red Dead. I just don't sleep now. I just work all day and then play Red Dead and then work all day. (laughs) It's really good lifestyle choice. But anyways, final question. You guys said earlier in the season that Ohio State believed most of their underclassmen would stay because of what they had built. Does the head coaching change affect that opinion? Uh, no, I, I think like we said at the intro of the show today, that's why keeping Ryan Day is uh, in house, keeping the higher in house is super important because not only do you get a guy that the players are familiar with, but so much happens behind the scenes of the guys who in college now are like directors of recruiting or, direct, or director of football operations. Their job is to keep these underclassmen. They're probably recruiting like hell right now to keep Dwayne Haskins if you know, depending on how they feel about him internally. But I, I think that that is one super important thing. And I've always heard 
amazing things about Ohio State's uh, football op staff that they're great recruiters, really, really like top in one of the top groups in the country at not only finding talent, but locking guys up. So I would imagine keeping Ryan Day means you keep those guys as well, which is very, very important to them. And, you know, like their social media staff is one of the most innovative in college football. They've won awards for how good they are at it. So hopefully this means it's just continuity and you just keep rolling everybody over. Yeah, I completely agree. I think when you look at this situation, it's just the guys that are leaving are not leaving because Urban is leaving. Like Haskins should go because Haskins would be a top 15 pick in this class and he's plays quarterback. Go ahead. Go get your yeah. money. And go. I honestly don't know how they feel about him. I, I'll be completely transparent, especially now that Urban's retired. When I asked about him uh, back in, I was probably September or October, that the people there who I've had good relationships with for years, they were like, hey, man, all due respect, but we got a lot of shit going on around here right now. And like the draft is not something we're worried about. So we'll get back to you. Yes, yeah, so you have and, no idea. Yeah, and now it. I mean, I, I've heard that he's most likely declaring for the draft, but I don't know how they feel about him internally. That's something that we have, you know, about five months to figure out. Well, I would hope a guy that almost won the Heisman Trophy they should like. So that's my yeah. my stance. But you really you, never you know. It. Yeah, <laughs> you really don't. It's it's a the the world of scouting is crazy. But um, you know, looking at Ohio State's depth chart, I don't know now that there's a lot of guys that you know they are going to want to keep who are underclassmen. Not, you know, not want, obviously you want everybody back, but you know, this team is very young. Um, you know, you're, you're going to lose the receivers. Obviously McLaren's gone. Paris Campbell's gone. KJ Hill's probably gone as well. Um, you're going to lose Isaiah Prince. You're going to lose um, the, the left guard. The, the number one guy they're probably going to try to talk into staying is Michael Jordan, the center. Uh, he's a junior. Draymond Jones is gone. You know, Robert Landers, you probably want to try to keep, but, Otherwise, this is a pretty young team. I think both corners are going to be gone, Sheffield and Arnett. Um, but, you know, Sean Wade's a really good free safety. Uh, Borland at middle linebacker is going to be back. Chase Young's going to be back Stop. at defensive end. And, and that's really one of the most important things. And then I know they like Tyreek Smith coming up behind him as well as a freshman. So it's it's really a pretty young team that Ryan Day is going to inherit. A lot of it's just going to depend on, you know, what he gets cooking with Tate Martell at quarterback next year. Was that a little teaser at what's... You're, you're saying Haskins is declaring. I think he's going to I've just been prying really this out of Matt the entire show. I know. You I haven't noticed. I, I keep saying like, <laughs> well, you know, and he doesn't want to fully say it. I, if, I had to, if I had to put money on it right now, I would say Haskins declares. Right. His tape's been too good the last month. There's such a vacuum in the quarterback class. Like he is, he's the best one out there, in my opinion. Um, you know, as we sit here early December, obviously things can change. They should change as we get more into the evaluation process. But I, I like Dwayne Haskins, and I think his tape speaks for itself. And in a, a quarterback class that needs a savior right now, he could definitely be it. So there's my official take. I think he declares. I think Shea Patterson probably does, too, if you if you want the truth uh, about guys that I should go. Yeah, and flop. Uh, really excited about that. I'm excited about the Friday show. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Top five guys that didn't win the Heisman. I bet Vince Young is pretty high on that list. Really? That surprises me a lot. It, it uh, would be a surprise <laughs> from a couple Texas fans to get Vince Young on there real high. Y'all send in your draft on draft questions, though. Uh, we're going to have a blast with it Friday. Uh, and then we are off this weekend. Mello and I are going to Arrowhead. So we're going to record the Monday morning show on Saturday with a Heisman uh, reaction, little Army Navy game reaction, uh, and get into your guys' draft on draft questions. So keep sending those over. For Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to y'all real soon. 